Wretched Radio begins in three, two, one. In issues of racism, there are going to be some who will say, why don't you stick to preaching gospel? The social, political, and economic concerns have increasingly encroached upon the minds of those who should know better. The real transformative work in a nation is the transformative work of the gospel. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Let's be honest. We all love a little dirty laundry. This is Wretched Radio. Every century provides an opportunity for us to hang out some dirty laundry, but perhaps no other century has provided more opportunities than the one you and I are living in. Raising the question, how does a Christian live in a culture that is consumed with dirty laundry? Perhaps a dead guy can help us. Which one? There's a lot of those. He's been in the grave for, well, about four or five hundred years. His name is Richard Baxter. He's a dead Puritan who wrote what could be considered the Christian DSM. You say, wait a second, that's an oxymoron. What does Christianity have to do with the Diagnostic Statistical Manual? I say it doesn't. And that's why Richard Baxter put together a Lulu. It's a thousand-page book with really small print. That is a soul care manual. Believing scripture is sufficient for all of life and godliness, he assembled what he believed Christians need to know to deal with their emotional maladies, their sin struggles, and their conundrums. Remember, when it comes to soul care, aka biblical counseling, using the Bible to diagnose, give the prognosis, and to give the cure and the remedy, there are different categories of issues. Oftentimes, it's an emotional issue. The Bible has the answer. Oftentimes, it's a sin struggle. The Bible speaks to sin struggles. But frequently, it can be something like a conundrum. I just don't know what to do. Richard Baxter wrote down everything he thought would help a Christian in his day get through life, whatever category of issue that they are dealing with. And it's a it's a whopper, and it is an encouragement. We've got to run to the Bible to figure out how it is that we are supposed to live in a 21st century that does not have new issues. There is nothing new under the sun. The things that we deal with today have been dealt with. Richard Baxter in this thousand-page whopper, for instance, has a chapter. Tell me this wouldn't be of interest to you, ma'am, if you're married to an ungodly fellow. It is a series of questions. Then this remember, we're talking about a dead Puritan here. This guy wears like the black robe with the white doily in the front with a cap on his head and a stern look on his face. Well, this guy lived in the real world. And he knew that there were women who were godly whose husbands weren't. And so helpfully and pastorally, he works through, what if he tells me to not go to church? Should I ever correct his behavior? Should I read my Bible when he tells me not to? Whoa, what? You mean the Puritans lived in reality? They did. And Richard Baxter addressed the issues that were as relevant then as they are today. So I'm reading through this book. 
just looking for something in particular for something that I'm working on. I wanted to get this guy's perspective on it. And I stumbled across chapter two. The title of it is Directions to Young Christians or Beginners in Religion for Their Establishment and Safe Proceeding. So you're a new believer. Richard Baxter spends about 100 pages addressing you. You say, what, what, what needs to be said in 100 pages, which is really like 200 pages in a typical book that we're familiar with the format today? What, what could he possibly talk about? Well, that's where we get into dirty laundry. Now, please note, I recognize that in this particular section of his Christian directory, he's dealing with new beginners. I've got that, but I got to tell you, these words apply to all of us, no matter how long you've been in the faith. You are going to be exposed to dirty laundry. If you're not a Don Henley fan, don't panic. You're going to be exposed to controversy. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> hey, speaking of Prince, did I mention I'm going to be in St. Paul, September 17th, preaching at Faith Bible Church? Back to Richard Baxter, Freel. Controversy is a very big subject for him. Let's see what we can learn. Brace yourself. This might hurt all of us a little bit. From Richard Baxter. Begin not too early with controversies in religion. And when you come to them, let them have but their due proportion of your time and zeal. But live daily upon the certain great substantials which all Christians are agreed on. Sorry, new believer, old believer. That's practical. When we hear about a controversy and you can find them all over Christendom, what are the big stories? We tend to take a look at secular news. If it bleeds, it leads. Uh-huh. Well, if there's controversy in Christendom, like flies to honey, we gather. Richard Baxter says, slow your roll. Don't race to those. Spend your time studying the basics. Spend your time getting grounded Focusing on the more important things because he recognized 500 years ago we have a tendency to turn our attention away from what is going to grow us, nurture us, keep us calm, especially in these turbulent waters, by being distracted with controversies. Plunge not yourselves too soon into controversies. It will be exceedingly to your loss by diverting your souls from greater and more necessary things you get, may get more increase of holiness and spend your time more pleasingly to God by drinking in deeper the substantials of religion and improving them on your hearts and lives. Another section of this DSM for Christians, he talks about the Christian faith having a trunk like a tree. And th those are the, those are the those are the big things, the, the 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 essential things, and as is necessarily true for a tree, so it is in Christendom with theology. You're going to have some major branches, some major trunks. I'm not talking denominations. I'm talking about other big theologies. So the trunk would be something like Trinity, the person and work of Jesus Christ, salvation by grace alone, faith alone. But then you're going to get some big stuff coming off of that. Okay, be careful. Because now you've moved away from the big stuff, the essential stuff, for whatever reason, and you're getting into what would be, he even described it this way, secondary issues. Now, those are important because they're bigger trunks. They're more substantial. It could be issues like, 
uh, how, how we interpret the Bible, how, what, what about gifts and then the ongoing nature of gifts? Those are some big trunk issues. But then, as is also true with trees in Christendom, then you start to get smaller branches and you get little tiny sprouts. In other words, there's all kinds of stuff that we can discuss. And it is not a sin to discuss all of these issues, but his admonition is stick with the trunk, especially if you're a new believer. Dive into God. Get the basics down, which you're you're never going to graduate from the basics. Don't overlook them because sometimes, let's be honest, the leaves and the little branches, those are so intriguing, aren't they? Oh, I just kind of get excited about those things. And it can range from polity, how we behave inside of the church, uh, application of some finer details. Adiaphrant, liberty issues, controversies. How, how do we view this subject? Okay, fascinating. All good. Stick with the trunk. Because if you get involved in controversies, you're not going to be happy. And I think we would all do well, no matter where you're at in your walk. If you're not as happy today as you were five years ago, is it possible that consumption of controversy is a cause for you? It's possible, isn't it? Back to Richard Baxter. It will corrupt your minds. And instead of humility, charity, holiness, and heavenly mindedness, it will feed your pride and kindle faction and a dividing zeal and quench your charity and possess you with a wrangling, contentious spirit. And you will make a religion of these sins and lamentable distempers. Oh, wow. Ask yourself the question, and I'm not suggesting that sometimes a sermon like this is never necessary. I think a pastor, there are times when he needs to zero in on a controversy. It's affecting the church. It's making its way in. People are talking about it. They're struggling with it. How do I deal with this at work? You go after it, pastor. That's not my point. But if you and I are consuming sermons that are less about the trunk and just focusing on the controversies, you got to ask yourself the question, why am I so intrigued by that? I'll use an example, CRT. I'm thoroughly opposed to it from A to Z. And yet, if I'm doing nothing but listening to anti-CRT sermons, I am probably going to become all of these things that Richard Baxter described. You'll kindle faction a dividing zeal. It'll quench your charity, possess you with a wrangling contentious spirit, and you will make a religion of these sins and lamentable distempers. Ouch. That hurts. Got a question for you. Richard Baxter in his Christian manual. Has he maybe, maybe diagnosed normality? This is Wretched Radio. Busy, busy, busy. Last year, Preborn Ministries provided over 92,000 ultrasounds. 54,000 babies were saved. 69 ultrasound machines were placed. 10,000 people responded to the gospel. Preborn Ministries. 
very busy saving babies, saving souls, would you please consider partnering with Preborn Ministries? $28 per ultrasound, five ultrasounds, $140. Yes, they are expensive, but they save lives. And Preborn Ministries uses good equipment with trained specialists, which is why the success rates are so staggeringly high at saving lives with preborn. Please consider supporting preborn at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Question, are you tired of the same old boring TV shows? Well, there is something that's not like anything else on Christian TV. It's transformed and it's back for season number two. You get to be a fly on the wall as you witness real biblical counseling sessions tackling issues like depression, anxiety, OCD, and others. These are real people with real issues being offered real solutions by our hosts, Dr. Greg Gifford and Dale Johnson. So if you're looking for something different, you know, a show that glorifies God and demonstrates the sufficiency of His Word, then Transform is for you. It's a one-of-a-kind production that provides the hope and relief that only the Bible can give. The world is full of hurting people, even Christians, and many are completely unaware of biblical counseling and the answers it can provide. So join us for Transform Season 2, the show that will transform your walk with Christ and leave a profound and lasting impact on your life. Get your hands on it now and also consider grabbing the Sunday School curriculum for your church. You can find it at transform.org or the Wretched Store at wretched.org. I know how you're feeling at the thought of switching from traditional health insurance to MediShare, which is affordable biblical health sharing. That's a big decision, and it can be kind of scary, which is why Mrs. Freel and I researched MediShare and determined, yeah, we can trust this ministry, Christians paying for the health needs of other Christians. It's a magnificent ministry, 98% member satisfaction rate. It's amazing. The average family saves $500 per month. If that sounds intriguing, and I hope it does, please do your research. Visit metashare.com slash wretched, metashare.com slash wretched, or call them and talk to a really nice person at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. Important Dates in Christian History 1910-1915 The fundamentals are published and demonstrate the great divide in American Christianity known as the modernist fundamentalist controversy. Fundamentalists began to set themselves apart from society as a witness for Christ. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Sorry to disappoint, but I'm out of 80s songs. This is Wretched Radio. Question, how is your temperament today versus a decade ago, five years ago? Are you sweeter, kinder, nicer, more convinced of your positions? Or is it possible that due to the constant stream of controversies that we are fed, even inside of the church, I'm not talking about Fox and CNN, talking about inside of Christendom, that it's maybe made us a bit crabby, grumpy, irritable, judgmental, maybe just maybe 
a dead Puritan can help you and me to not be a crabby Christian, but instead to understand the place of controversies. How do we how do we hear them? Do we hear them at all? When do I need to listen? When shouldn't I? And what happens if I spend an inordinate amount of time on controversies? Well, Richard Baxter would tell you if that's what you're doing, you're becoming a crabby Christian. You're, you're becoming judgmental. You're not becoming sweeter. I was reading a book just this morning by a not dead guy, Dr. Heath Lambert. We've been telling you about a book, The Great Love of God. And we're going to be teaching it. We are starting a Wednesday evening Bible study for the church that we are hoping to be a part of helping to launch here in the northern burbs of Atlanta. We're going to be using that book. So, you know, as a just to do to, to diligence, I, I sent a note to Heath and said, you got a study guide for this so I don't have to write one? Because, you know, just in due diligence, the answer was no, but he did write a 40-day devotional. And the preamble to it was something, I'm paraphrasing, he was far more articulate, but the great goal of your life. Are you intrigued? You should be. Because Heath is going to offer you a thesis statement for the rest of your years on this planet and for all of eternity. What is it? What is the great goal of your life? Seriously. What, what is it? My, you know what I'm going to do? Jimmy, would you be so kind with about two minutes left in this particular segment? Interrupt me. Whatever I'm doing, interrupt me. Okay. And, and I'm going to share Heath Lampert's thesis statement for what our lives should be about. And let's just see if maybe, maybe yours might need to be tweaked a bit. So just like everything else in our current <laughs> social media driven world, you're going to have to multitask in your brain. So listen to Richard Baxter help you to not become crabby as you simultaneously consider what's the great goal and aim of my life. To Richard Baxter, we go, who offers us a warning about not constantly consuming the stuff that is just, it's not healthy. There are times you need to. There are definitely times when we've got to get engaged with stuff, but not everything. Okay, let me let me share an example. And you might disagree with this because you could, and, and I wouldn't argue with you, that you could rationalize and say, well, it actually does impact my local church because everybody wants to sing the Hillsong. Okay, got it. But just see if we can make a point, even as we might disagree to a degree on the analogy and illustration. There's that documentary on, ah, Jimmy, what's the, you watch TV all the time. What's the network that has the Hillsong biography thing on it? I think it's Hulu. Okay, they've got it on, yeah, okay, they've got it on Hulu. I, 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 I think we've got the Hulu, I don't know. Uh, I saw it on something one night. Oh, 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 a Vice. I believe. Oh, that wasn't it either. It was no. like a network, like the Learning Channel. Oh, I don't know. Something. <laughs> did, I, did I mention, Jimmy, we were on it? <laughs> oh, we were on the uh, the uh, Hillsong documentary. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> what did we say? I was. I I just saw a snippet of. Um, it was. I don't know where it was taken from, but I was. I was saying something along the lines of, "Don't play the Hillsong music in your church. It's dangerous and bad." And then poof, off they went to Carl Lentz or whatever. I didn't watch any more than that. It was like, oh, okay. And why didn't I watch it? Well, because. 
it was a story that really doesn't involve me all that much. It's it's an Australian ministry. I know they're international now. They're around the globe, but they're, but they're not they're not a part of my world. Our church isn't singing the Hillsong or the Bethel. We're not using. I don't even know that they have Bible studies in Hillsong world. And I knew that it was going to be a, a just a complete anecdotal, even though the anecdotes may be perfectly valid. A lot of anecdotes of disgruntled people who went to Hillsong. Now, I don't know if they have reason to be crabby with Hillsong. Because I'm not hearing any other side of the story. And whether I like the other side or not, the Proverbs command me, hey, you think that the one side sounds right because you only hear that one side. You need to hear both sides of the matter. Well, I knew I wasn't going to hear that. Besides, my issue with Hillsong is not how they've potentially been bad administrators at the church and ran things in a dictatorial way. It's their theology. That's what we should have been judgmental about. That's what the church should have been critical of. Uh, hold on. They're on every single Christian radio station. Well, not every single one. There's some good ones. On all of these Christian radio stations, they're in all of these churches. Hey, we got a theological train wreck going on. That should have been the critique. Nevertheless, did you get pulled into that? The the Hillsong controversy and all the stuff that went on there. And it's bad stuff. I, I grant you, I know enough about it. Did you need to? I'm just asking. Did, did it help you with your great aim in life? Did it contribute to your great goal for your existence? Or did it maybe just, you know, it filled some time. But even as it just fills some time and it doesn't feel like it might be doing anything to us, if we're consuming bitterness, it's going to make us a little bitter too. And Richard Baxter, 500 years ago, would say, careful, look out for controversies. Instead, grow sweet by studying essentials from his book called The Christian Directory, The Essential Necessary Truths of Your Religion must imprint the image of God upon your hearts and must dwell there continually. And you must live upon them as your bread and drink and daily necessary food. All other points must be studied in subserviency to those. All lesser duties must be used as the exercise of the love of God or man and of a humble heavenly mind. Fast forward, he gets into another subject that's related that can make us, oh, so ugly. This is from direct number 10. Take heed lest any persecution or wrong from others provoke you to any unwarrantable passions and practices and deprive you of the charity, meekness, and innocency of a Christian or make you go beyond your bounds in censuring, reviling, or resisting your rulers who are the officers of God. Don't let the things that are hard, that are maybe even sinful toward you, don't let those make you crabby either. Don't, don't let it do that to you. The, the, don't let it provoke you. He goes on to say, see, therefore, that you resist not evil. 
Let every soul be subject to the higher powers and not resist lest they receive damnation. He's quoting Romans 13. Imitate your Lord. When he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed all to him who judges righteously, leaving us as an an example that we should follow his steps. An angry zeal against those that cross and hurt us is so easily kindled and hardly suppressed that it appears there is more in it of corrupted nature than of God. Okay, Todd. Yeah, Jimmy. What's the great goal of my life? What's yours? <sighs> to learn and okay. to grow. All right. Fair enough. Let's let's see if maybe Heath Lampert's words tighten that a bit. Okay. I, I, w- I wouldn't argue with you. I think that's a that's a biblical answer. Heath goes a step further and he says, grow in what? Grow in knowledge, grow in wisdom, grow in discernment. No, those things, that doesn't mean you don't do those things. But he said, the great goal, the great aim in life is to grow in the knowledge of the love of God. To experience the fullness of God. Uh, Ephesians 3, 18 and 19, that you might know the love of God that you might be filled with the fullness of the love of God. That is the great aim and goal of your life. And if you agree with that and you write that down as the thesis statement for your life, put it on your fridge, put it on your forehead if you need to. Might that change some things? Might it change how you treat others? Might it change how you spend your time? Might it change how you engage with controversy and dirty laundry and how you respond to difficulties persecution, even temptation? Might it possibly change your entire temperament? Might it give you the peace that you used to possess, but now it seems so distant due to all of the nonsense of our ridiculous world? Is your great aim, should your great aim be the love of God? This is Wretched Radio. And it's now time for a Wretched News Break here on a Wretched Radio. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Well, we start up north again today. Not quite in Canada, but it is about Canada. Air Canada, that is, where a recent flight experience left two passengers not exactly happy. Apparently, the passengers found themselves in a pretty nasty situation. They had vomit on their seats. Seats they actually paid for with money, real money, out of their pockets. And instead of receiving an apology after complaining, they were told they were rude and then subsequently booted off the flight. Air Canada later admitted that they didn't quite follow their operating procedures to the T. I don't know their operating procedures exactly, but I would venture to guess that they weren't even in the ballpark. Moving to Pakistan now, a Christian Pakistani pastor has narrowly escaped an assassination attempt fueled by allegations of blasphemy. And if you followed the persecution of Christians in Pakistan very long, you know that everything is fueled by blasphemy in that country. Not surprisingly, though the pastor had received previous death threats and reported them to authorities, they've yet to make any arrests. Now now to elementary education in Quebec. An elementary school is requiring students to use gender-neutral pronouns for a non-binary teacher. (laughs) And there is a ton of debate, national debate going on in Canada about this right now. 
You remember the name Joe Kennedy? You should. He was in the news for quite a while. He was the high school football coach who lost his job for praying on the field in Washington State. Well, Coach Kennedy has decided to hang up his coaching shoes. He's now going to be advocating for religious liberty. Following the Supreme Court decision in favor of Kennedy, he plans to relocate to Florida to focus on a book and film project. Yeah, I think that many years after losing your job and advocating for your own religious liberty would make you a bit of an expert, wouldn't it? Good on him. Lastly, in California, a judge has issued a temporary restraining order on a school's district policy that requires schools to inform parents about their students' gender transition. And the California Attorney General is praising the ruling, while the school district's Board of Education president suggests the state is portraying parents as being dangerous. Yeah, yes they are, and it's only going to get worse, I'm afraid. That's been today's Wretched News Break. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Books of the Bible. The Apostle John wrote a second epistle, which warned about false teachers who take advantage of Christian hospitality to spread false doctrine. As you continue to walk in love, be careful to distinguish between truth and error. False teachers have no fellowship with God. Therefore, God's people are to have no fellowship with false teachers. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, here's a controversy for you. Hey, you said we're not supposed to engage in controversy. Let's see if it can be a redemptive controversy. This is Wretched Radio. Perhaps your church has been confronted with this conundrum. What do we do with an individual in the church who reveals they have been committing adultery outside of marriage, fornicating, and are now pregnant? Uh Uh-oh. What do we do about that? And I think we've all seen that a number of churches have divided over this type of conundrum. There are people who would say we cannot embrace this woman or young man because, remember, it still takes two to tango. We we can't do that because that will be affirming sin. On the other hand, you've got people going, but, 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 but we love these people. And, and when we're pro-life people, how do we resolve this controversy? Might I take you to a couple of stories that actually happened a couple of decades ago with which I happen to be familiar because this family was my pastor's family. And this was a controversy that was resolved in such a way that I think it should motivate all of us to ask, what kind of culture do we have at our church? Do we have a culture? And I and, I, and let me just preempt what, what I know somebody might say out of the tens and tens of people listening. Hey! Quit overlooking sin. Don't make light of sin. I'm not. But my question is, the culture of your church will determine its response to an individual inside of the body who has sinned potentially in a grievous and very public way. What would be the response of your church? How how would they react Here's a nut. Here's you want another controversy? Here it is. And I'm telling you, we are so naive if we do not think this doesn't exist in our churches. 
If you've got a church, by the way, I just read a statistic. The average church size is 60 people. So pastor, be encouraged. I, I know you can look at the mega churches and think that you're doing a small work. No, you're not. Those are anomalies. The norm is a small church. And I shouldn't even call it that. It, 60 souls. 60. Well, it's just 60 people who are either going to heaven or hell. That's a that's a huge responsibility, sir. Be encouraged by that. And these small churches that dot our landscapes, even with 60 people, are going to have somebody inside of it who is struggling with the big social issue of our day. And you say, which one? Well, the one that I'm thinking about right now is LGBTQ. What, what if there's a boy or a girl who's very confused? Right? What if you've got a boy or girl who thinks that they're a girl or a boy? Would the culture of your church allow them to speak about it? Not in a vainglorious way. Not in a, hey, look at me. I've got a really big issue. Pay attention to me. No, we're talking about an individual who has a confession of faith that is credible, who has, has not been exhibiting any sort of ongoing criminal behavior. Would they be able to say, ah, I'm really confused. How would they be greeted? Let me take you back in time. This goes back 20 years. As the daughter of a pastor, I felt a lot of pressure wondering what my Christian community would say. How would this news reflect on my dad and my family? Why was she concerned? Unmarried, she found herself pregnant. And her dad is the pastor of the church. Never did it cross my mind that I wasn't capable of raising a child or that I didn't want to. I was simply afraid of what everyone would think. I found myself in a situation I never expected to be in. And all of the sudden, it is all of the sudden in writing. We don't say all of the sudden, but we write it that way. All of a sudden, debating a decision I never thought I would be debating. I made up my mind to have an abortion. From the moment I scheduled that appointment, I knew it was wrong. In my mind, it felt like it was my only option. This is a beautiful story. The night before her scheduled abortion, she went to bed and she heard a car pull into the driveway. It was one of my best friends who came to the door with three envelopes and a mixtape asking me to read, listen, and pray. She gave me a hug and left. <laughs> Two of the letters were from her friends asking me to reconsider, telling me of the love that they had for me no matter what. The third was an anonymous letter, personalized. <laughs> she didn't know who the letter was written by. Halfway through this letter, she writes, God broke me down. One of the lines that spoke to me was, I know that by choosing to give life to your baby, you're risking a lot, but God is faithful and he'll be with you every step of the way. I knew right in that moment, my decision had changed and I could not go through with this abortion. <laughs> After finishing, just get ready for this punchline. After finishing this letter, everything changed. I knew if I didn't tell someone immediately, I could wake up the next morning and proceed with the planned abortion. I needed to call someone, and I remembered, hmm, a pro-life pregnancy crisis line phone number. How glorious is that? I didn't want to share my story with a stranger, but I dialed anyway. The article writes, as only God could orchestrate, the woman who answered the phone that night was a woman named Tracy. Quote, I could not believe that out of all of the volunteers <laughs> that I received the phone call from Julie. 
the woman to whom I had written an anonymous letter. Wow. Because of her letter and the time she spent talking with me that night, I had the courage to cancel my abortion appointment and choose life for my son in spite of my fears. I would be remiss if I didn't encourage you to turn your attention to preborn.org slash wretched. I just got a letter from them. They're saving babies. This year, so far, January through June, this year, 29,134 babies are alive because of ultrasound and caring Christians who also witness about 5,000 people have been saved. 35,000 women have been served. Ultrasound machines are the ticket. If you can support Preborn, encourage you to visit preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. The story continues. But I'm going to... Sh- I'm going to change the author. Headline, was I no longer fit to be a pastor? The doorbell rang as it had done countless times before. Standing on our doorsteps were our church's youth pastor and our daughter's best friend. And so it was from them that we learned the news. Our 23-year-old single daughter was pregnant and we were going to be grandparents. After they left, our first thought was to tell our daughter, we love her, and we would support her in every way that we could. But we also began to think about the future. How would we relate this information to our church where I served as pastor? How would they receive it? Would I still have a job? <laughs> Decided to confess it to the church. My text for Sunday was Romans 1, 8 through 13 about Paul's love for the church at Rome. At the end of the message, I also read Romans fifteen thirty, where Paul asked the church to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. And I explained our entire family needed their prayers and support as he shared the story. Our daughter was in the second service that morning, and she received lots of hugs after the benediction. In the days following, we received an outpouring of love and support, including a baby shower. The most common response we heard was there, but for the grace of God, go I. Justin was born on Palm Sunday, 1998. Mom went into labor that morning and my wife took her from home to the hospital. I couldn't join because I had two services to lead. Before the second service, an usher slipped a note into my hand that read, you have a grandson. And at the conclusion of the service, I said, I'm normally in the lobby to greet you, but today I'm heading straight to the hospital to meet my new grandson. I left out the side door to the sound of clapping and cheering. (sighs) Please note, because you might have an objection at the moment. This is a repentant woman. She realized her sin. And I think that's key. If you've got somebody in willful disobedience, (sighs) well, then there's a different chapter, Matthew 18, that would address that. But that wasn't this situation. And this church, of which I was a part, loved that family. And I, the reason is because of what was coming out of that pulpit for years. A man who exposited scripture, but persistently made it a point to remind us that our great aim in life is to know the love of God. And if a congregation is striving together for that great and glorious goal, when somebody sins, it will be dealt with biblically to be certain, but it will always be dealt with lovingly. Might might I ask you a question on two levels? The easy one, your church. How would they respond to a sin story like that? 
Question number two, which is far more personal. How do you respond to people who sin? We're in the body. They're repentant. They sinned. Does the great aim and goal of your life affect how you relate to fellow sinners? This is Wretched Radio. Like the Pointer Sisters, I am so excited and I just can't hide it. The Masters Academy International is embarking on a bold new program to distribute Bibles internationally. There are oh so many wretched people who love to give to ministries who are giving out Bibles. And the Masters Academy International is going to start doing just that in the Philippines. But they don't want to give out just any Bible to just anybody. They're going to give away John MacArthur Study Bibles to Christians who cannot afford them in a local Bible teaching church. Can you imagine the impact? How much do you love your MacArthur Study Bible? For $25, you could put a Bible into the hands of a believer in the Philippines. I'll do the math. It's not tricky. Four Bibles, $100. Maybe you could commit to giving a Bible a month to a believer in the Philippines. Please visit wretched.org Bible, wretched.org Bible to join the Masters Academy International. Hey, hey, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to Wretched Radio today. Your support means the world to us. We take our responsibility seriously and we're accountable to our gospel partners. And as such, we're members in good standing with the ECFA and undergo an annual audit to ensure we remain good stewards with the funds entrusted to us. We promise we are diligent in our stewardship of your generous gifts and we ensure every penny is put to good use. So if you've donated to us in the past, we thank you from the bottom of our heart and would also like to ask you to take the next step in becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner. That is only if you're not currently in debt and you're giving to your local church. If those things are taken care of, then would you prayerfully consider becoming an ongoing monthly gospel partner? And you might have questions about what it might look like in your life for that to happen. We've got answers. Wretched.org slash donate is where you can find those answers. Wretched. Amazing grace amazing gospel. Ah, some good news. Two encouragements from the Tomorrow Clubs. They have hundreds of weekly kids meeting clubs in Eastern Europe, but now they've expanded to Africa and the kids are swarming the Tomorrow Clubs. They have never seen greater attendance than the hundreds of new clubs that they are opening up in Africa. That should encourage all of us. The gospel is going forth and reaching kids in unreached places. Encouragement number two, would you like to become a Tomorrow Clubs ministry partner? Your support will help the Tomorrow Clubs open up even more Tomorrow Clubs and reach even more kids with the gospel. Please consider becoming a ministry partner at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Mexican. There are many words to help us understand the nature of the Bible. Words like sensus literalis. The Bible is to be read in the literal sense, the way the author and original audience would have understood it. There is no code, no secret meaning to be uncovered. The Bible is plainly written so that all people can know God through its pages. 
This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. How do you respond when somebody sins against you? This is Wretched Radio. Hold on, Jimmy. What is... This is my work desk. Yes. This is where I put all of my stuff to prepare. Uh-huh. And what do I find? What is this piece of paper just sitting on top of my... It says, we're hiring. Are you or someone you know looking to embark on a meaningful career in ministry? Join our dynamic team at Gospel Partners Media. That's us. Oh, crazy. We need marketing help. We need somebody to lead a massive initiative. It's going to be so cool. I just, I can't wait to reveal it. Are you a production leader? We need you. Social media guru geek. And I mean that in the most affectionate way possible. We'd love to hear from you. Just visit wretched.org slash careers. Wretched.org slash careers. And Jimmy, remind me to send a strongly worded letter to somebody about leaving stuff right on my desk like that. Because what I wanted to get to was, oh, it's another article from Heath Lambert. Actually, it was an interview that he did at biblicalcounseling.com. If you need a biblical counselor... Even if they're not in your zip code, you can Zoom with a biblical counselor who will apply the Bible to whatever it is that you're dealing with. Go to biblicalcounseling.com. If you want to become a certified biblical counselor, I encourage you to do just that. This was a question that has been a little bit debated because of emails from you, which I welcome and receive gratefully on the subject of forgiving someone who has sinned against you, but they don't repent. What do you do with that? Please note that this would be if Christianity is a tree and the trunk are the essentials and the great boughs are really prominent doctrines, but not essentials. You get off into the branches and you get off into some of the twiggy stuff. Well, I don't know how thick this branch is, but, but it is a branch. And it is something that is not going to send anybody to hell so we can have a conversation because we want to figure it out. You know what? That's a good. I need to remember this rule and, and apply it. If I'm entering into a controversy, we'll call it, into a theological dispute, even though it doesn't have to be pugnacious. If I'm entering into it, if I ask myself the question, what's my goal here? Is it for me to persuade that knucklehead or is it for me to find truth? Do I, do I want the truth in this deal? Which means I can share how I understand the issue, but I should be willing to listen because I want truth. I don't want to just twist your arm. No, you need to understand it the way that I do. I don't want that. We, we want truth together. So let's see if we can figure it out. Now, you may recall that there are some people would say courtesy of a particular Bible verse where Jesus in Luke 17 said this, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he repents, forgive him. And you would say, well, there it is. The issue is settled. The individual needs to repent in order for me to grant forgiveness. But we've got Mark eleven twenty five 25 to deal with. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone so that your father who is in heaven will also forgive your transgression. So Jesus there is saying they don't need to repent. No. Mm. What do we do about this? And hence the divide, which is a reasonable one, isn't it? Jimmy, by the way, which side of the coin are you on in this one? Do you agree rightly with me? 
or, uh, or with those demons who send us emails at ideaandwretched.org because <laughs> I just want the truth. Here. So the side that I fall on is it fall on is that we uh, we we forgive even if someone is not seeking forgiveness. Okay, and and we've been receiving emails going no, and I, I've said this before, Doctor John Street, for instance, I think he would be emphatic no. In order for there to be that transaction, there needs to be repentance. I hope I'm not misrepresenting him. And there's a reason for it. It's not like people just, well, I just, it doesn't feel right. No, they've got Bible verses to back it up. So Heath Lampert, this was on some sort of a podcast, encourages us to think in two categories. Perhaps this will be helpful no matter which side of the issue you fall on. He said this, forgiveness on the one hand as an action that transpires in a relationship is one category. Forgiveness as an action that transpires in a relationship. The transaction, of course, would be, Jimmy, I know you're sorry because you sinned against me and I forgive you. Because I couldn't bring myself to saying, even as a dramatic recreation, Jimmy, I was wrong, I sinned against you. You would say, I forgive you. There you go. There, the transaction just took place. Mm-hmm. That's that's transactional. However, he said there's another category, an attitude that we cultivate in our soul. Mark 11 is talking about forgiveness as an attitude. So just you're praying. Your heart is forgiven. It's just they sinned against me. Lord, I've sinned against you a gazillion times more, far more heinously. I It's gone. I'm, I'm, I'm just, uh, my heart is, I'm not going to bring this thing up with them. Now, please note there are complexities and dynamics to relationships. There's safety issues. There's ongoing sin issues. We're just talking about this issue, which is, do you forgive even if somebody doesn't repent toward you? And Heath is saying, Mark 11, the fellow praying, who forgives even though there was no transaction, it's about a cultivated heart that says, I love because I've been loved. I've been forgiven so much. My desire is to forgive. That's my heart. That's my trajectory. Now he goes on. When he says, if you're standing there praying, forgive, he's saying, release that person from your anger, from your bitterness, from the penalty of your sin right there. Cultivate an action in your heart. So there's cultivation and then there's action. That's, we could agree on that, couldn't we? Couldn't we? And I think ultimately the benefits are brought to the pretty much the same place. Now, I, I do believe that without the transaction of forgiveness, it is going to mar a relationship. It, it just, there's a lot of sins we overlook. I, Greg Gifford was talking about this on the Transform podcast. There's just a, a multitude of sins. Do your best. It just... Things that bug you, they do something, whether even whether it's a sin or not, you don't even make that distinction. It's just agitating. And then they 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 sin and they 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 do annoying things. Just overlook it. Overlook it. But this one rises to the level of concern. I see this ongoing sin in the life of somebody that I care about. So out of love, I want to point this out to them. Not to just correct them because it agitates me. Otherwise, we just tend to overlook. And then there are times when it does indeed need to be confronted and addressed. The heart of the individual who does not receive an I'm sorry has already been cultivated. It's an attitude of I let things go if I possibly can. If somebody does sin against me, wow, 
I just, I'm releasing it. I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm not going to keep bringing this bad boy up. I'm done with it. That is cultivating an action in your heart. We might say it is a willingness to extend forgiveness, but we settle the matter in our heart, whether or not they are sorry. And that's going to bear fruit for you, whether the transaction takes place or not. And I don't think that I'm not aware of the nota benes on this, but the, but the, the, the heart receives all of the blessings and benefits of being one who releases things. You don't get bitter because remember, bitterness, the root, it, 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 forgiveness is in, right in the center of it. You're not forgiving. Cultivate that. Cultivate it. Settle the matter whether or not they are sorry, whether or not they are repentant, whether or not they have asked, or whether or not they have remained silent. We cultivate that attitude. Now, Luke 17, when they confess their sin, because of what we've been cultivating, absolutely, I forgive you. Should happen very quickly. Now, I understand gradations of sin. We're just talking about this issue. I, I, I've already been, are you kidding? I've been looking forward to this moment. Of course, I forgive you. Because you've already cultivated forgiveness in your heart. When we put these two things together, says Heath Lambert, I think we can conclude this that we should be cultivating the attitude of forgiveness in our heart whenever we realize that we have something against our brother or sister in Christ who has sinned against us. But I also think this teaches us that we should not extend that into action until they have asked for forgiveness. What do you think? Can we all live with that? Could we all go, okay, we've got agreement on that. I think we should. And then if we want to take a look at what, well, I'll just call a twig about the no until you, it, it, it's, 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 it, it's attitudinal. And the, 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 my heart has already been tilled up. It's been worked on by God. Whether or not that person repents, I'm full. Oh, if the opportunity happens, if the action can be initiated, I am, I'm at the starting gate, ready to go. Now, please note, it's a foolish counselor. It's a Job-like counselor who would say, now, now, get, you, get, that, get there now. Well, hurts are deep. Pain is real. Sin has effects and consequences. Trust issues, all of those safety issues, all of those considerations. But if you've been sinned against, perhaps you've got a little bit of a root of bitterness. Might it maybe be a good time to start cultivating an attitude of forgiveness? How do you do that? You consider the great aim of your life. Get filled up with the love of God. And that same love that he has for you, you will be able to shower on others. And until tomorrow, go serve your kingdom.